episode of Maniacal Music Musings. I'm your host as always, Jeremy. Every woman's new mistake. So get your hands off my woman while we're making out. She's growing on me. Love is only a feeling. So get to joining a fan club in my honor. My co-host though, he's my best friend. And when he gets too baked on a show, all is forgiven immediately. He believes in a thing called love. But loves getting a Jamaica jerk off from a dirty little girl. He's old, he's holding my own heart like that now, like some love on the rocks with no ice. Chancy motherfucking grief. Hi. <laughs> you like I rhyme at the end there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, as always in this show, we are joined by a guest as well. And our guest this week is Brad Page from I'm In Love With That Song podcast. Hey, guys. How are you doing tonight, Brad? I am great. So why don't you give the audience a little preview of what your podcast is about? Uh, Sure. Um, So, well, if you'll indulge me for a minute, here's the long-winded way that I like to explain my show. Um, That's my, my alley. All right. Long-winded. Let's go for it. Uh, So years ago, I read this book um, about the role that dogs played in like the Iraq war and 9-11, you know, bomb sniffing and recovery and that kind of thing. I forget the name of the book, but one of the things that the author had to do to set up the story was to explain how a dog's sense of smell works. And they explained it like this. If I was to walk into a room with you guys with a a bag with a McDonald's cheeseburger in it, you'd be able to tell without looking at it just by the smell that it was a cheeseburger. You could probably even identify it as a McDonald's cheeseburger if, if you'd eaten enough of them. But a dog, a dog doesn't just smell cheeseburger. A dog's sense of smell can differentiate that there's mustard on the burger. And if there's ketchup, it can smell the lettuce and the pickle, the onions, and the bun separately, all is distinct smells. A dog can tell the fat content of the burger. You know, is it 80% or 85%? The dog can probably even tell you what kind of cheese is on the burger. In, in other words, with our noses, it's all one big combined smell that we call a cheeseburger. But a dog senses all the individual elements that make up that end result of cheeseburger. So that's a long way of explaining that what I try to do on my show is to have people listen with their ears, the way that a dog smells with their nose. We take a song and we listen to all the individual elements that make it up. You know, what's the guitar doing in the background there? How are the bass and drums playing off of each other? How much reverb is on the vocals, giving it a sense of depth or immediacy. We listen closely to the performances, the arrangements and the production just to hopefully give you a new appreciation for a song that maybe you've heard a hundred times before. 
Did I, I put like you that. with that? <laughs> no, no, I, I like that. That's 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 a good way to look at songs, honestly. I mean, that's the way you should look at every song. I mean, once you hear one enough times, you kind of do pick up all those elements, but it's amazing that you can hear a song a hundred times and then on that hundred and first time listen to it just a little bit differently and hear something you never heard there before songs are constantly revealing themselves to you particularly you know the better the song the more there is i think for you to discover in it and that's why you know you can listen to a song a hundred times and still love it whereas even your favorite movie you know what do you watch it maybe 10 times and you know it's if music is just in a class by itself in terms of the way you can just constantly re-experience it in a new way. I agree. I mean, it, the closest thing compared to a television really is, I would say, Marvel movies and TV shows because every time you watch it, there's a new little thing you see in the background that's like a connection somehow to something else. Right. They yep. throw in so, they, they throw in so many of those Easter eggs. It's ridiculous. But, yeah, and in a lot of ways, songs are that that same kind of thing that you can you can watch it or or listen to it and it you know and the songs never change they're always exactly the same you know that song on your cd or vinyl never changes but you change and every time you listen to it you bring a different perspective you know with the way you hear a song when you're 18 years old is different than when you're 28 than when you're 38 and 48 and so you're constantly bringing something new to the music Exactly. I mean, I how many times have I said in the show, Chancey, that like I would have loved this song when I was eighteen. Like I've I've had to say that about at least ten different songs by now. Yeah. I mean, which I think I I brought forth when I actually enjoyed the songs when I was actually eighteen. So like (laughs) a little sense of irony there. Yes, exactly. But to get this show on the road. Brad, what CD did you choose to bring on, and why did you want to bring it? Well, you know, there's always probably a dozen records you could pick. I'm sure everybody says that when they they come on your show. Um, But I picked an album by a band called Jellyfish called Spilt Milk. Part of the reason why I picked it actually is kind of what, what you guys were just talking about, how, you know, I think we all have this thing of the music that you discover when you're 15, 18, 22, you know, the high school, college age years. That's the music that sticks with you for the rest of your life. Uh, and it's very rare that you hear or come across something in later years that that hits you the way that music did when you know you were a teenager it doesn't really matter when you were a teenager whether it was the 70s or the 90s or today that's the music that's going to stick with you forever and the you know you'll still find new music when you're 30 years old but it typically doesn't 
knock you out in the same way. But this record did. I didn't discover this record uh, until, God, I don't even remember how old I was, but I was no longer a kid, that's for sure. Uh, and yet it's it's in my pantheon as one of my all-time favorite records. And there's just not that much music that that grabs you like that when when you're past a certain point. But this record did for me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you don't find things that blow you away when you're older. It's more when you're a teenager, you definitely do. I mean, especially back yeah, in the day. Yeah, it's the way you live it, right? It's the music is a part of your life. It's a it's a sense of discovery. Whatever it is that when you're 16 years old, you know, when you get your first first get your driver's license and you're driving down the road and cranking whatever tunes that you're listening to at the time. I mean, that that feeling will come back to you when you're 50 years old and you hear those songs again. But, you know, something that you come across when you're 40, it's just not not the same. Um, the music ingrains itself on you at a younger age that just you just can't let go of. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's some stuff that Chancey's brought on this show, though, that as it being that way, like as soon as I hear it, I'm like, this is a band I now will listen to a lot. Sure. Like like one of my top Spotify playlists now is This Is Dog Fashion Disco. Yep, which Chancey's wearing the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess I'll go my review first, Chancey, since I seem to be the long-winded one tonight. That's all right. <laughs> well, I when, I when you first sent me the CD, I'm like, all right. It came out in 93. I've never heard of this band before, which on this show is not normal. I haven't heard of a lot of the bands that come on this show. But I, as soon as I started previewing some tracks to figure out what I wanted to bring, I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. And I'll get to why I brought later, of course. But but today, I, this is the first thing I listened to in my way, my hour and a half drive this morning. I listened to your CD first, and I hit play, and it was some damn good driving music, like first thing in the morning. Damn good driving music. That's interesting. I, cool. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I mean, it almost, and I'm probably going to get slapped shitless by some people for saying this, but it reminds me of if the music of Elton John got matched with the singing style of the Beatles. Oh, that's not far off. I mean, it's from that, you know, those are all inspirations for these, these guys. Um, I'm the sure. Beatles, you know, Queen is a big inspiration for them. And that, I hear a lot of that in in the music. Not that he's singing like Freddie, but just, you know, the for me, what you know, I grew up in the 70s. So for me, like when I think of like what a classic album versus great songs, but what to me what makes a classic album is the journey that it takes you on. You know, uh, you know, cliches like Dark Side of the Moon or whatever, but you know, they're records that from the time you start to the time you get to the end, it takes you on a journey and it takes you through all different types of music and different sounds. And, you know, there's heavy things and light things and goofy things and weird things and maybe scary things or whatever. But, it, but you know, every song is different. To me, that's a great record when every song is different. Every song doesn't sound like the one that came before it or the one that's coming after it. Um, Queen would do that on albums like Night at the Opera and Day at the Races. And, you know, that's sort of a hallmark to me of, of great records. And this album does that. It, it's designed to take you on a journey. It's sheer it heart attack. Yeah. He didn't say that one for a reason, Chancey. Come on now, don't push your no. previous no, album. No, it, it took you on a ride. It took you on yeah. a ride. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get what you're saying. And 
funny enough, that's actually why I love about Dog Fashion Disco is that like they, their CDs do that. Like every song is a different genre of music and some these. Yeah, but I love that. But I mean, a lot of people but, don't don't know what to do with a record like that, or some people are so locked into their genre. You know, they're a death metal person, and so if it doesn't deviate from that, they don't want to hear it. But for me, a great record should have a little bit of everything on it. I agree. I mean, and yeah, we, we've had a lot of albums like that in the show, actually. But but this this CD you brought, I mean, I came out in '93. I would have been five years old. So I mean, okay. but but yet some of it sounds familiar. Like I think I've heard it places before. I don't know if it's been in movies and TV shows or whatnot. But it's just some of the songs I just have recollection of. That's I don't know why, but. It didn't get very much play. The story of the band is that it was it's basically the brainchild of two guys, uh, Andy Sturmer, who was the vocalist and drummer, actually, and Roger Manning Jr., who was the keyboard player and kind of second vocalist in the band. And they, they originally came out of San Francisco. They had a band called Beatnik Beach that didn't really go anywhere. And then they got together as Jellyfish. They put a record out, a first album called belly button that got some play on mtv um it was not a smashing success but it it did get a little bit of attention enough for the record company to give them a money and and a lot of money to go back into the studio and make this record and so they decided they wanted to make their masterpiece with this this record and it's literally you know everything in the kitchen sink is in this record but it came out in 93 which was like the height of grunge right yeah nobody was listening to this kind of music at that time they couldn't get the time of day of any radio it didn't get any play and at that point you know that was still you had to be on mtv and you had to get radio play and if you didn't you know you were sunk and that's basically what happened to them you know they toured hard um they they certainly put in the work uh but it just didn't pay off and they sort of petered out after this record that those two guys had a falling out and i don't think they've actually spoken since then they've done other work independently but mm. so it's kind of was a you know a, a, a you know like a firework you know just this intense explosion of creativity and then gone which i think is a is a shame but to me this is a brilliant album from start to finish yeah i immensely enjoy, i immensely enjoyed it chancy how about you what's your review of jellyfish i uh i wasn't sure how to feel about it really like i know that when i like i played it and then within the first track or two like i don't listen to like 20 or 30 seconds of the first two tracks to kind of get a feel for what i was looking for for my album because i was at work at the time and I had been kind of looking for a reason to bring my album to the table. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to pull the trigger. <laughs> but uh, it was, it, it was actually, it was kind of, it was, it was, it was almost as if like the Beatles never broke up and kind of finished their hippie session. I get that. I mean, I there was a lot of stuff like 
sometimes you could almost say it was seemed like somewhat of a sensory overload. Yes. I think that's intentional. <clears throat> on particularly on certain tracks where they, like I said, they're really throwing everything in the kitchen sink in there, all kinds of instruments. There's no samples on this record. Like everything that you hear is a real instrument being played, the strings and whatnot. They're, you know, they're n- none of it's, you know, digital samples or anything. They actually, had all that stuff in there. And there's a lot. There's a, you can listen to this record on headphones and really get lost and catch a lot of different sound. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. The album is it's not really a concept album, but it's structured to be uh a, like a night like so the first track it, Hush is a lullaby and it's sort of you fall asleep and then all the successive songs are like an individual dream that you might have. And then at the end, uh, at the very end of the last song, there's an alarm clock and that's the last yeah. thing you hear, right? It's sort of buried in the mix, but if you listen, you'll hear it. And that's sort of like you waking up in the morning. So, hmm. you know, so the, the songs are intentionally kind of, um, I don't know what to say, say trippy, but they're kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're just, wacky in a way just the way dreams can be kind of wacky yeah i mean if anything and the the whole thing you said about the beatles shanty if anything it kind of reminds me a little bit if you listen to sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band like from start to finish like it kind of reminds me of that that flow like that flow from track to track yeah i i'm sure that was kind of a template for them also the beach boys that you know that the yeah, yeah I hear that. The pet sounds that kind of stuff yeah there's a there's one point where roger manning does a vocal that's like a dead-on like brian wilson impersonation um so they're all that. that stuff it's all part of the stew that makes up this record yeah it, i i found it great but well we can do our top fives now and brad since it's your album you get to go first well, um, so my favorite track on the record is probably the second song, which is called Joining a Fan Club, mm-hmm. which is, it's literally about, you know, joining a fan club and about how it's, you know, basically squeezing money, <laughs> a way to squeeze money out of fans. But there's uh, there's a couple of lines in there where they start to talk about religion and jesus and you know when you think about it what is religion but really just a big fan club for one particular <laughs> very famous person um <laughs> so that always that always kind of intrigued me kind of the comparison of like you know being enthralled by your pop star versus being you know in love with jesus i mean is there really that much difference um let's see uh Ghost at number one is another song I love. That's kind of about how the industry takes dead rock stars and turns them into never-ending supply of money, right? You can always come out with, they're always finding shit in the vault for somebody who who died 50 years ago, but yet there's still albums coming out. Um, uh, Let's see. So, Sabrina Paste and Plato, which is a strange title. That's kind of their attempt to do a very who-like three-minute rock opera. That's the one that has a little bit of, uh, uh, I think, Brian Wilson in in that one. Um, I like that one a lot. Um, 
my best friend, which uh, was very inspired by Harry Nilsson. I don't know if you guys are fans at all of, of Harry Nilsson. was pretty pretty influential singer-songwriter in the 70s. The Beatles were big fans of Harry. Um, and I don't know if you clocked it listening to that song, but he's singing about his penis. My best friend. <laughs> I now have to re-listen to that song later. I'm just saying, but <laughs> it's it's one of those things. Like you could, you know, you could listen to it a hundred times. Hey, you just sing about my best friend. But when you really, when you clock the lyrics, like, oh my gosh, that's that's what the dude's singing about. Um, and let's see. Um, I wonder. I wonder if that's what Freddie Mercury was singing about too. <laughs> could be, or someone else's penis. Uh, too much, too little, too late. Maybe my my fifth pick off this record that's the second to last track but you know for me there's no weak tracks on this record i love this thing from front to back uh i could listen to it on end and never get never get bored it's one of those records for me your mileage may vary but for me it's a winner yeah i mean i i definitely had to like really pick a top five like i i at first i was just putting like every song on that i'm like wait a minute no i need to think about this a little bit more but but it just every track was hitting me good, basically. But my I did have one honorable mention though outside my top five in this one, and that's New Mistake. I that's, wow. that track's amazing. <laughs> it is, and you know, that's the song that both Andy and Roger, like I said, they don't even speak to each other anymore. But if you were to I've read interviews with them, and they both picked that song as the one that most represents jellyfish to them with. Their, what their goal was. Um, I love that song too. I mean, I didn't have it on my list, but I think it's a great song, but it's interesting that that's their favorite song for what that's. Mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely, you could definitely hear it a little bit too, but that, that was my honorable mention. My number five is joining a fan club because that was a really good song and kind of, in some ways, a little creepy, but I mean, it was definitely amazing. amazing it's a great song. riff, too. I think that's a great, song. yeah, for sure. That's for fun. sure. Number four was Bye 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 because, well, one of the comedy in my head at that point where I'm like, did Instinct steal this from them? But, <laughs> but I mean, that was a good song. Like, and I think if I'm not mistaken, that's toward the end of the CD. Uh, it's towards the end, it's the second half of the disc, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a that's it was just a really good like the way it was like so soft and melodic at the same time. Number three is he's my best friend, which <laughs> I'm happy I put that there now. You now that you mentioned that detail, but <laughs> it's kind of like this other album we had on a month or so ago. Uh, who the hell was it, Chancy, about pissing in the wind? It was me. It was Incubus. Oh, two reasons yeah. to pissing in the wind. Anyone who does will end up smelling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. Okay. I couldn't think it was that or if it was a Primus thing. But actually, wasn't it? Wasn't, wasn't it a Primus thing too? Whipping in the wind? Um, I'm not sure. I don't believe so. Uh, I'm thinking of something. But. Anyway, my, my number two was All is Forgiven because I liked that they went a little like metal almost in that. Yeah. yeah. Same. The opening on that one was amazing. And so I had to put that on. 
And then my number one, well, it was a great song because it's my kind of music, but also number two, I am a paranormal podcaster. So the ghost at number one definitely caught my attention when it came on and mm-hmm. kept my attention the whole song. It was a definitely my favorite song out of the whole album. Cool. And plus, I mean, I kept thinking of like, it's funny. I was just on guesting on a podcast last night talking about uh, Prince having albums that haven't released yet that they're probably going to release at some point. Mm-hmm. And me and the pod, me and the me and the podcast were going like, yeah, he's probably living in Jamaica with Tupac, but <laughs> but I mean, yeah, yeah, it's just it's that's what it made me think. It made me think of him, Michael Jackson, all of them, like all the dead celebrities who still amazingly have tracks that release because record labels like to make money, but or families. Yep, but I mean, some of it's good. I you know I'm not necessarily opposed to it. I love to hear music from artists that that I wish were still around, but. You know, at some point you're scraping the bottom of the barrel and sometimes it's just constantly repackaging the same stuff over and over again. You know, greatest know. best ofs and whatnot just get repackaged and repackaged. And it's like, ugh. I think Prince is the only person out of the entire group that should be like removed and set to the side because he went as far as to like getting his own masters back and owning all of the rights to all of his music. And then basically being a recluse for like however long it was he was. And like going on tours here and there and doing this and that. So I mean for them to say that he has like say they say they did say that he had like a hundred albums that haven't been released. That's feasible. That's absolutely feasible. If you can play 27 instruments and you've got like over a decade of nothing but time on your hands, I'd buy it. Sure. Yeah. You know, the question is, would these artists want some of this stuff released? I think he, I think he felt at least for a certain period that, you know, that he was being pressured by record companies not to release stuff. And I think he would have liked to have released more, but you know, I think for a lot of artists, it's there's reasons why stuff doesn't come out because they're not happy with it um, because they didn't want it to see the light of day. And then as soon as they're dead, you know, some old manager or, or second cousin or record company person digs it out and puts it out. And, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Again, sometimes I, I'm happy to hear it, but you know, how does the artist, how would the artist really feel about that? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the the same thing happened to Eddie Van Halen too. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at, look at the freaking Frank Sinatra CD that came out like 10, 15 years ago where it was just him with like modern day singers. And they literally just took his songs and add in breaks for other people sing their lines. Right. It's, it's kind of sickening in a way. It's, Almost as bad as probably the hologram performances that are coming soon in this world. But oh, those will be, yeah, yeah. But Chancy, what were your top five? Uh, actually, my honorable mention was already mentioned. It's uh, the joining a fan club for myself. Cool. Uh, number five was Bye Bye Bye. Uh, number four was Too Little or um, Too Much, Too Little, Too Late. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three was Brighter Day. Uh, number two was All is Forgiven. And uh, number one was uh, The Glutton of Sympathy. 
Nice. This I, it all kind of I don't know. It kind of all reached out to me, and for certain reasons and certain elements, and sure. I mean, yeah, I the gluttony song where I definitely almost put I almost put that on my list almost did yeah. because I I love that. that that was a really good song. I'm not gonna say I love it, but it was a really good song. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, if you ask me tomorrow, my list would probably be a little different. Um, it's, but like I said, I you know I love everything about this record. So I'm <laughs> at at the moment I'm listening to any one particular song is probably my favorite until the next song comes on. But um, yeah, I don't know what else I can say. I I love this record. I I hope some people give it a shot because I think it's a lost classic. It just timing was bad. You know, that just sometimes happens. You know, they were not, they were in going left when the zeitgeist was going right. And they totally uh, got overlooked. And I think it's a shame. It was good stuff. Yeah. I mean, 1993, I mean, it was a tough time in the music world. Like things were changing dramatically in a lot of different levels. So a lot of bands got overlooked. That shouldn't have back then. And yet bands like freaking Bush got record deals and whatnot. So, you know. Yeah, well, you leave them. You leave them alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone talks about how there was a mad rush up to Seattle. Everyone on the Sunset Strip got dropped like a bad smelling burrito, and everyone he- headed up to Seattle to sign anyone with long, greasy hair and flannel mm-hmm. shirts. And um, you know, that was kind of the last gasp of of rock and roll being a chart topping thing. Um, yeah you know after after that um uh, you know you just then hip-hop took over um and boy bands and whatever it is that we have out there now that i'm not even sure what you call it but it's yeah past me at this point <laughs> but i'm an old fart yeah well i mean we're all i i feel like i'm getting older every day but Funny kids will works. do that. Kids will do that. But all right. I think we'll do my CD next, Chancey, and we'll end up on yours. Works for me. All right. But so, listeners, the CD I decided to bring this time, which once I started listening to Jellyfish, I was like, who can I met? So I actually had to look up and be like, all right, what genre are they technically considered for this CD? And it's like glam rock. I'm like, ooh, good possibilities in glam rock I could do. I was like, Queen? Eh, no. Motley Crue? Maybe no. And then it's like, you know what? I hear Elton John music in this, and I'm I'm just going to go with Elton John. So I decided to bring Goodbye Yellbrick Road because... Well, one, it's one of his best CDs. We we recently did an Elton John bracket a couple months ago, and that was the CD that had a lot of the most tracks, I believe, in the actual bracket. I could be wrong. Yeah. That, I think that CD had the most songs in it. Plus, I knew one of Chancey's favorite songs was on it, so I had to bring it. But.
yeah, I mean, it just and it was just the one I wanted. I look, I look at the song list on. I'm like, yeah, I'll bring that one. I almost brought like one or two other ones, but I was like, yeah, y'all break road first. I'll bring the other ones eventually. I know I will. And it's a classic. Well, it is, Smart. and a, a lot of these songs, like I talked about during the bracket and whatnot, but. I basically like grew up listening to a lot of these of the most popular songs from the CD, like in my dad's workplace, over and over again. So, I this is what this is what I grew up with, and like you said, when you're younger, certain things hit hit you with impressions that you don't get anymore. And Elton did that, mm-hmm. so that's why I wanted to bring it. And plus, I thought it, it and it did fit Jellyfish very very much. So it worked. I think so. Yeah, yeah. But, you could listen to these two records like one after the other, and it wouldn't be a jarring experience. Which I did. I literally listened to your album, then listened to my album. So there you go. <laughs> but as our guest, you get to go next, Brad. What what's your review of this album besides the, the big juice? Well, I mean, it's you know, it's it's a masterpiece. It, there's a term that um, gets used for artists when they're in a particular phase. Very few artists have it, but it's they call it the imperial phase. Uh, Stevie Wonder had it in the 70s. Prince had it. Um, But it's basically when an artist could just seems to be churning out record after record and they're all classics and they'll have a run of like four or five records that are just, uh, you know, in a row that are just brilliant. Sometimes they're never able to top that again. But I mean, most people are lucky to get one good song in their life, let alone four or five of great stuff right i mean elton this was the peak of his imperial period um where he just would and, and the thing about the 70s 60s and 70s is these guys would do these artists these bands would do like two albums a year sometimes more than that and you gotta think these guys they you know they'd go into the studio they'd make a record on a short amount of time they put the record out they'd go on the road tore their asses off, go back into the studio with no break, make a second record and then go back out on tour. And it was this relentless thing. It's amazing that people were able to make any good records at all. And and you, yet you have these bands that would make great records, you know, Queens, another one, just Pink Floyd, you know, just album after album that are each one of them is a classic. And, and now artists will go like five years between albums. Tell me Um, about that. You know, they have the luxury of taking their time and whatever, you know. Uh, but back then, the record companies just hustled you in and out of the studio and the road and the studio and the road until you were basically exhausted or so fucked up on drugs that, you know. I was going to say, that was, I was just, if you hadn't said it, I was going to be like, you forgot one major ingredient in your entire, uh, you know, your entire thing there. Every one of those guys, real fucking high on drugs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, but that sort of goes hand in. A lot of them just, you know, I mean, how are you going to physically. How are you going to keep up? Right. Um, and a lot of them paid a heavy, heavy price for it. Um, Facts. Not all glamorous. But, um, you know, however it was done. The fact is, a lot of these guys turned out some just of the greatest music that was ever made. And this record is, you know, it's in that category. I mean, it's a double album. And like every double album, you're not going to love everything that's on it. Of course um, not. Uh, I don't think there's any real stinkers on this 
album. There's songs that, you know, I have to say Benny and the Jets. I don't care if I ever hear that song again. I'm not a fan. But basically, <laughs> I, I think is pretty great. Um, I guess if I was to pick my five, I'd probably number well, five. Let you let chance to give his review first. Then oh we'll yeah, I'm sorry. Five. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say let let him say his top five. I mean, we already I, I'm we already did a bracket on Elton John anyway. So what's my what's the point in me giving an opinion on one of his albums? I mean, really, come on, come on. But no, for real though, Brad. What's your what's your top five, man? Uh, I would say harmony at number five. Uh, candle in, in the wind at number four that's one that's easy to get sick of but i think if you step away yeah. from it a while and and you know re just re-listen to it without all the baggage it carries it's still a pretty emotional pretty song uh number three uh saturday is all right for fighting um number two goodbye yellow brick road the title cut I'm going to cheat a little bit on number one. I'm going to combine Funeral for a Friend and Love Lies Bleeding as one track. I think that's just well, one. It is one, it is one. It is one track, technically. Technically, right. Yeah, they, yeah technically. Yeah. Each other and, um, I mean, in, in our bracket, it was one song. So, Well, perfect. So yeah. I'm, I'm within the bounds. Great. <laughs> yeah, I. it's funny. We actually had some that were in common and some that were really close to being common. So that's funny. But... I, I mean, usually with my CDs, I have a hard time not pulling a Jeremy and wanting to go for the whole CD. But with this one, I actually didn't have a hard time with that. I had two honorable mentions, though. Dirty Little Girl and Jamaica Jerk Off. They were both not really, like, I had never heard either of them before, I don't think. And they're not really, like, Elton John songs to me in a way. They're just, like kind of like a different side of him I haven't seen before. So that was a nice little surprise. But number five was Harmony. We matched on that one. Because mm -hmm. that that's a damn good song. Yeah. But number four for me is Funeral for a Friend and Love Lies Bleeding. Because okay. I do love that song, but it just it's not top three material in this CD. Because number three, ironically enough, is Benny and the Jets. Because <laughs> I, I agree, you can get very sick of that song very fast if you hear it constantly. I heard it so many times in my dad's workplace. One day, sometimes it was just like ridiculous. But but I mean at I haven't heard it since we did the Elton John bracket back in, I think that was October. So, I mean, it's been a few months since I really heard it. And I was like, all right, you know, I, it's it's still up top three material. Sit, number two is Saturday's All Right, because that's an amazing song. It always has been, always will be. I never get tired of that song. Mm -hmm. And number one was the tail track, Goodbye Yellbrick Road, because Goodbye Yellbrick Road is just classic Elton John. Like, it's just... You hear that song and you automatically just think those glasses and those outfits. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, 100%. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road is an amazing song. But so those are my top five. What about you, Chansey? Uh, well, not exactly the same. Uh, number five for me was uh, Sweet Painted Lady. It's a good song. I like. I deep, deep cut. Good pick. And uh, number four was "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road." Yeah. Number three, "Candle in the Wind" was begrudging for me because of the 
everything around it. Uh, number two, Benny and the Jets, because I just I just knew I, I mean I had to do it. And then I mean as soon as he listed the name of the album, I was like, oh dude, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday is number one, right out the gate. Saturday is the perfect night for fighting. Such a great guitar riff, too, man. That right? Makes, yeah. Brilliant. Yes. I mean, it's that's why I picked it. Because it's just, a, I mean, I knew, Ch- I knew, I knew Chansey and Saturday, Saturday is just freaking, I knew right away he was going to be like, oh, number one. But he, I he didn't did. listen to your, I didn't even, I honestly didn't listen to your album at all, Jeremy. <laughs> I, I picked all of those just simply from like memory. memory. Yeah, well, I mean, if you don't need to, you don't need to. It's that simple. But, but, all right, Chancy, the time has come. God help us all. Let's talk about. What do you mean, God help us all? My, my home was pretty awesome. Let's talk about what it is you brought that you still call an album. Okay. Well, I brought uh, The Darkness is the name of the band, and their album is called Permission to Land. I picked it because, like, when it first came out, their single off of it, I hated it with a passion of it, like, the burning passion of a thousand suns. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> and then, like, a- after a while, I got to listen. Like, I listened to it, like, later on. It was probably, like, 10 years later. And I was like, you know, not being a dick. That's really fucking town. That's really tricky to that's that's tricky to pull off. And then I went back to it, and then I was like, "All right." And then I finally, I finally fell in love with it. It's like a guilty pleasure song of mine. But uh, yeah, so I had to like I've been waiting for an opportunity to match this up with some album in some capacity, just so I can just be like, "Up oh, here we go," and this is it right here. Well, Brad, what did you think of Chansey's album? Uh, I have one Darkness album in my collection. It's not this one. It's the one called um, One Way Ticket to Hell and Back, which is a great album title. Um, so I'm, I'm, I guess I would say, you know, I'm, I'm aware and somewhat familiar with the, these guys, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, a hard fan by any stretch so this is actually the first time that i've listened to this album front to back um you know i think my reaction to it is probably like a lot of people like his what makes or breaks the record is how you feel about him as a vocalist yes um and he's got some mannerisms that could probably drive you crazy um i also know people who love this band i have a, a fellow podcasting friend who's just big darkness fan so you know 
what works for some people doesn't work for others. Um, I I could sort of take it or leave it. There's some songs where I, it's fine. There's some songs where it does get on my nerves a little bit. But, um, you know, these guys are definitely... At first, I think I thought they were more of a put-on, more of almost like a spinal tap, intentional spinal tap. Um, but uh, I, I don't quite think that anymore. I think they definitely have a sense of humor. They don't take themselves that seriously, which I think is always a good thing because if some rock stars are just way too serious, um, particularly when you're making this kind of music, you got to just lighten up. Right. Uh, and it's a fun record in that in that respect. I mean, you know, these songs, they pretty much all rock. A lot of them are much better pop songs than you might think would come from right. this. They're actually like, you know, pretty catchy and have good melodies and are well written. Uh, and the performances are, are great, just musicianship wise. So, yeah, it was fun to listen to this record. Well, now. Chancy. Come on. Come with it now. The album cover deceived me because when, when you first sent the album, I'm like, huh. And then I saw that one song title. I'm like, no, it it just can't be. It, <laughs> it, 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 just, it just can't be. It's I, not it, it, this. It, it's not the same song. It's just another song with the same name. And then as soon, oh, as, but I played, it is. as soon as I played the first track and heard this guy's voice, which seriously, it's like, Every note he sings, it's like, how deep is he getting fingered in the ass at that point? Because that's what it sounds like is happening while his voice keeps changing. But it's just, I mean, oh, my God. Like, my brother used to love this CD, when this uh, the one song when it first came out. Like, Hi, yeah. Like, he loved that song. He used to play it all the fucking time. And I used to hate the shit out of that song. And I still am not a fan of it by any means. Like, I can appreciate oh, I, it. I hated now. it at the time. I, I can appreciate it a little more now, but it's still not a song I ever would just randomly put on my car. Or, or like, even if it came on a mix, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> I mean, it's just, ugh. I mean, some of these weren't bad, but it's just like, I'm like, what the fuck am I listening? And I'm like, oh, only 40 minutes long. Okay, good. Let's get through <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, why can I be doing something, listening to something fun like my screams while getting a hemorrhoid remover right now? But yeah, <laughs> but they weren't horrible. Horrible. You've brought worse. That's a ringing endorsement. Nah, he's not lying though. He there's I've brought I've brought I've brought albums that nearly brought him to tears before. Like he contemplated all the decisions in his life after he heard my album. Well. <laughs> Whichever album, there's a lot of them. Yes, I contemplated some choices in co-hosting times with certain <laughs> albums. But, but uh, so Chancy, what were your top five of your album, if you want to call it that? Uh, number five is "Get Your Hands Off My Woman." Basically, five, four, and three, I kind of really liked based on like the riff. The, the way the song, like the way the uh, vocals blended with the melody and the riff and everything. Uh, like I said, number five, get your hands off my woman. Number four was making out. Uh, number three was holding my own. Uh, number two was uh, growing on me. 
And that one actually, that one made me kind of think of Casey a little bit because it's kind of one of those things like who who grew on who first, like. But uh, my typically, number one, typically the one who's more like a fungus, but you know, right. But uh, for me, the no, mine obviously number one is I believe in a thing called love. Oh, I mean, hands down. Yeah, because of the fact of just the sheer difficulty of singing that song as someone who was in choir for like 10 years, like for real, just to sing that song is hard. Yeah. Well, Brad, what were your top five as a guest? Uh, my Number five would be the opening track, Black Shuck. I think it's a great riff and guitar tone. I was really digging it, and but I, that's one where his vocals dinged it for me, so I can't rate it any higher than that. Uh, number four would be, I believe, in A Thing Called Love. Uh, number three is Growing On Me. That's one I think is just a great song, just compositionally and... Uh, it's, it, you know, I think any other artist could cover that and, and you know, have a hit with it. Um, number two would be Love is Only a Feeling, which I think is his best vocal, at least for my tolerance level on this record. <laughs> uh, and uh, number one, actually, was Friday Night. Uh, that was the song yep. I enjoyed the most. Yeah, well... Believe it or not, Chansey, I actually did have two honorable mentions on this CD, if you want to call it that. But my honorable mentions were, funny enough, Get Your Hands Off My Woman and Making Out. Because those were, okay, they were okay. But my number five was growing on me, because, I mean, most of these songs I've picked are for, it's for the guitar it's, or it's for the drums. It's the guy's voice makes me want to keep punching until his voice gets higher. Basically, but number four is holding my own. Number three is Love on the Rocks with No Ice because I thought that was ironic. Yeah, great title. Yeah, I like the title. That's the main reason I picked it. <laughs> but very, I title's full of irony actually. But number two is Love is Only Appealing. We matched on that, Dave or Brad. Wow, fucking mm-hmm. <laughs> the kid I work with. His name Dave, but um. And number one, of course, is I believe in a thing called love because how can you not? Like, just the fact that that was a song in high school that everybody used to make fun of, like, and like try their attempt at singing it, but no one ever could do that. I mean, Freddie Mercury would have killed it, but anybody else, no. You were, I was able. I, I was. I was able to do it back in high school. It was hair. It, it was. It was. It was one of those, you know, low things that you do when you're at parties and girls find out that you were in choir for a while. You like sing certain songs and hit certain notes, and they're like, "Oh, this song came on. Oh, try it out." Ah, Jesus. Well, honey, you know I'd be doing my tongue exercises. <laughs> I do declare, but yeah, so. 
those are our three albums for tonight. And all, yeah. all, all in all, they all kind of blend together in a way. That was very close to perfect. So we don't do that yeah. often. So we don't do that often. So that's an achievement right there. But some, usually one wants to throw something out of left field that doesn't really blend. But depends who's the guest. But Brad, it's been really fun having you on. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it to come on and talk about this record that, you know, hopefully some more people will check it out. Hopefully, because it's definitely an album. It's definitely an album worth checking out 100%. I mean, yeah, I I would say so. I think even if it's not your cup of tea, I think it's a record that um, that everyone should at least listen to it, give it a shot. It's kind of a cult. They become a cult favorite. Um, whatever that's worth they're not going to make you rich but um but there is a definitely a you know like sort of a, i don't know if underground's the word but there's a a hidden army of people who like this record and love this band and um so i'm yeah. definitely gonna run it by my buddy rick pat and see if he knows anything about it cool well, the only thing i have to say is is there a story behind the album cover because i forgot to ask that but not that I know of. It was just a weird album cover. Like, yeah. right? Like that ginger fat girl just licking ice cream or whatever it was. Like, it's just like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> well, saw... you know, I guess it's the idea of, you know, spilt milk, right? You know, ah, right. True. True. Okay. I didn't think of that. Um, yeah. I think the shot was taken in the studio where they recorded it. It was the, the uh, kind of, people surrounding the record is a sort of pretty impeccable group of people who worked on it. It was produced by the two guys in the band, plus uh, Albie Gluten and Jack Joseph Puig, who, you know, Albie is an old school, like 70s producer, totally from the school of, you know, where these kind of records come from that we were talking about. And Jack Joseph Puig, this was an early production of his, but he went on to be one of the, the most sought after producers in uh the 90s and 2000s and uh, he's known for having a studio full of some of the most mouth-watering vintage gear you can ever uh imagine um other musicians have played on the records t-bone wolk legendary studio bass player uh, john bryan uh lyle workman studio guitar players playing on so there's a lot of great players and participants in, in this record um, not not household names, but you know, guys who've definitely knew their stuff. Yeah, I, it, I mean, you could tell, you could tell. I mean, it was an amazing album. And so, Brad, why don't you tell the listeners one more time where the, where your podcast is and where they can find it? Sure. The name of the podcast is "I'm in Love with This Song." Uh, you can find it. Uh, uh, the website is lovethatsongpodcast.com. We're on Stitcher and Spotify and uh, Amazon and Google and Apple. And, you know, basically any, whatever your favorite podcast app or podcast player is, just search for the I'm in Love With That Song podcast and you'll find me there. Give it a shot. Yeah, a man, this man seems like he knows his music, so I would definitely give it a, sh- a, ch- a checking out there. Well, thank you, sir. For sure. Search Hans a lot. Where can you be found? Uh, well, I mean, there's obviously the Book of Faces. That's under my name. It's down there. Uh, 
Instagram and uh, Twitter, or no, Instagram and TikTok is the Red Eye Roundtable. And on Twitter, it is Red Eye Table, because apparently Twitter does not get the idea behind a joke. <laughs> and, uh, you know, pretty much anywhere. I'm kind of like, you know, not necessarily homeless, but like will podcast for exposure. <laughs> that sounds so wrong. Sounds so wrong. But yeah. Well, to our listeners, you know, always you could find us at Paranormal and Normal slash Maniacal Music Musings podcast with an S Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter and the gram as at Juggalo Bastard. You can find us on TikTok as at Juggalo Bastard Podcast. And you can find us on YouTube just by searching Maniacal Music Musings. We will be back live this Sunday with a new episode. And then we will be back the Tuesday after as well. Thank you all for watching slash listening. And we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. And thank you, Brad, once again for coming on. It's been amazing. My pleasure.